I want to invite you to uh, turn in your own Bible uh, to Psalm 46. That's where our um, message will be taken from this morning, Psalm 46. And uh, obviously we're, we're taking a break this morning. We've been going through the Gospel of John, taking a break this morning. And, and I'm not sure how long I'll do that. Um, I just felt compelled to, uh, well, this was some of my own meditation, I guess, really where I'm finding comfort. Uh, and so I, I trust that this will be a comfort as you, uh, to you as well. Uh, Psalm 46, let's give our attention to God's word as is read and in your homes there. I encourage you to be taking a Bible and following along. Hear God's word. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. He shall not be moved. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is God's word. I need to pray. Um, so I invite you to bow with me. Father in heaven, this is your word. And I pray that we take it to heart. I pray that we find comfort in it as you desire for us to. I pray that you would strengthen our faith. I pray that you would make us more like Jesus. I pray that in this time, that your name, your fame, your goodness, your character, your eternal perfections would, be, would have a light shone on them. That's what your word does. And in all of this, Father, your desire is for your Son, our Savior Jesus, to be lifted up. And so I pray, help me to do that. Amen. Oh, boy, we, uh, we watching the news, uh, I don't know how many times you've heard it. These are unprecedented times. They have not happened before. We've heard that line so often. And there was a point uh, earlier on, the beginning of this, I suppose, when I was thinking, well, this could be over pretty soon. But things took a turn in New York in particular. It's bad. A lot of infections. And the, the number of people dying is, is just, it's, it's accelerating. 
The fact that most of you are on the other side of a screen watching this on your TV or on your phone or computer. You're doing that because we're trying to, to minimize the spread of this virus. I've never experienced a worldwide pandemic. I guess most of us have not. That idea, pandemic, it's, a, it's more than a label given by the World Health Organization. It's the reality that we are seeing unfold before our eyes. And I mean, we have been fairly well protected here in this part of the country, but in some states, it's horrible. This virus can be downright, dead, downright deadly for some. And I was thought to significant moments in, in, in our lives, and I think back to 9-11. It was a, such a shocking event that rocked the world. This has rocked the world. But 9-11, people were driven to the churches, right? And we, we gained comfort by, by gathering together. This is so different because we're driven away we're told not to gather. The very thing that we treasure as the people of God, the thing we hold on to, that foretaste of heaven that we long for, we can't do it right now. It's so disturbing on many fronts. And, and we all, I think, feel this pressure. We've got to do something about it. And we're doing our part. And it's not that we shouldn't. We're social distancing. We're washing our hands a lot. We're not touching our mouths. And we even take measures that may be illogical. I saw a lady in her yard the other day wearing a mask. Not a soul around her. But just that feeling like I've got to do something. This is a time of tribulation. And, and I would say this. If, if this is a tribulation that precedes Jesus' glorious return, I'll take it. Come, Lord Jesus. But if he tarries, and that is more likely... We must endure. So how are we to think and behave in these unprecedented times? And that's why I chose this psalm. The psalm tells us, be still and know that I am God. Be still. God is our refuge. Be still. God is immovable. Be still, God is at work. And that's what I take from this psalm. Those, those three headings, be still, God is our refuge. Be still, God is immovable. Be still, God is at work. Now let's get to unpacking this. Be still, God is our refuge. Refuge, what's, what's that word? You know when the tornado sirens go off, you know, we're not thinking about that, but there was one just uh, maybe the other day. A tornado ripped through a mall that was empty. People are thanking God for the pandemic, life could have been lost. But in a tornado, you head for the basement. If you, if, you ha if you have one, or you go to the interior of the house. And in the pandemic, like we have, we're washing our hands and not touching our faces. We don't hug or shake hands. We do all of those things. We maintain the six-foot radius so that we're not close enough to catch it if some other person is infected. We do this all in the name of safety, right? We take cautious refuge in these things, which means that we trust these things to protect us at some level, don't we? But we know these measures will sometimes fail. But there is one who is an eternal refuge, an unshakable, permanent refuge for our souls. Verses 1 and 2 of our psalm says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. That word refuge is like, a, it's a place of trust. Some, some Bible translations say fortress. 
If you imagine the ancient city of Jerusalem, and, I, and I, can, I can see that the psalmist had this in mind. The ancient city of Jerusalem was a walled city. And to protect against invaders, there were uh, weapons pointed outward. If somebody should advance on the city, there would have been arrows and, and whatever coming from the walls to protect. They trusted the city as a, as a refuge, as a fortress. They trusted it. But we also know from history that that, that city did fall. It fell to the Babylonians. You see, there's only one certain place of trust for our souls, and that is God. And he is a present help. The psalm says he is a present help in trouble, mean, meaning that he has been proven time and time again. You see, the psalmist's confidence here is based on what he knows about God, what God has already revealed about himself in creation. What God has revealed in terms of what he does, what he had done to call out the Israelites, to, to form them as a people, to bring them out of Egypt with a mighty outstretched arm, bringing those 10 plagues upon the Egyptians and ultimately in the end of that, drowning the Egyptian army in the Red Sea, bringing the Israelites to safety on the other side. God has proven himself as a protector of his people. With the psalmist confidence here, he goes on to illustrate that God, that, that seeking God as a refuge, coming to him as a refuge, is even when, when uh, the example he gives in the extreme, though, verse 2, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Think of what, what that looks like. Think of what that looks like. If, if the earth gives way, if the, the very mountains were lifted up and, and cast into the sea, what would that look like? That would be the, the ultimate picture of instability. The very place you're standing on is no longer solid ground. It opens up. The mountains flattened. How would that feel to see that? The oceans swallowing up everything and foaming and churning. This isn't a cruise this is the oceans being violent and, and enveloping everything in it. In a previous generation, I was thinking about this, how, how it would feel when, when everything is uncertain. In a previous generation, people had a very real fear of nuclear annihilation. But even think about that. All the weapons pointed at everywhere in, in the world. What, is, what good is a backyard bunker? Right? If every weapon was unleashed. In previous generation, they feared that. We, not so much anymore. But the psalmist here is saying that, that even if the very means of your mortal existence was taken away, if the air was polluted, if the water was dirty, if you couldn't trust the ground you stand on, if nothing was certain, God would still be your refuge. Now, obviously, today, the things that we might fear are not the mountains falling into the sea, but it feels like that, doesn't it? The possibility of infection, serious illness, maybe even death. I've, I've had these thoughts. But, but even beyond that, the effects of this, and some in our own congregation have lost jobs, the loss of income, the contract being lost because there's no work, the domino effect of this spreading, that economic impact watching 
your retirement account, lose 25 to 30%. And here's the point. The psalmist is saying this. Even if everything else, everything else that we have trusted in the past, everything else falls apart, even if the very earth is unable to sustain life, we need not fear. God is our refuge and strength. Now we have to think about this. Why would the earth give way? Why would this, why would there be foaming seas? Why is the psalmist using this? Because it's a very real possibility that, that things will collapse and there's a the good reason for it. You see, Romans 8 talks about how, how creation groans. Creation groans under the strain of sin. And the creation itself is very unpredictable and oftentimes untamed. There are earthquakes that cause buildings to collapse. There are collapse. There are hurricanes and tornadoes, landslides and floods and avalanches and volcanoes that erupt and tsunami waves that wash away entire seaside cities. Creation groans because we have caused it to groan. The earth might give away because we have caused it. And it all goes back to our sin. God entrusted humanity with the responsibility. He entrusted Adam with the responsibility of stewarding it all. But Adam disobeyed and plunged creation into this enmity with man. Now it fights us. And I think... David had these things in mind, and perhaps he understood that, that ultimately were the cause of it, but, but God knows that. God knows that. Romans, Romans 8, uh, I referenced it already. Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us, for the creation waits with eager longing for the rev- revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption that's ours and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. You see, that's what we look forward to, brothers and sisters. The mountains are being cast into the sea. The oceans foam. The earth gives way. And we are a cause of that. And God wants us to know that he ultimately is our refuge from the very thing that we have caused. How is God our refuge today? Well, he tells us later in that chapter, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8, now that you've looked to Christ, you have this refuge. So he says, 8.35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or disease? I added that. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Brothers and sisters, that is the truth. God is our refuge, and he has made that refuge available to us. 
in Jesus. Second, we can be still because God is immovable. Now, there's a reason that when you build up, you first dig deep, right? The, the taller the, the skyscraper, the deeper you need to dig. And, and our houses and our apartments, they, they have deep foundations so that when storms come, they are not moved. But if think about it, is there anything that man can build that would be absolutely impervious, absolutely immovable? If something is built into a mountain, that would be quite strong. But what if the mountain is moved? As the psalmist already says, if the mountains are cast into the sea. And right now, things around us might seem to be shifting. But we can be still. Because God himself cannot be moved. Look at verse 4 of the psalm. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, the city. She shall not be moved. God will help her, the city, when morning dawns. That holy habitation. Now, let's get to the, the river whose streams he references here. And I think there's an intention here in the psalm to contrast this against the the. the the raging sea and its destructive force. That stream is a, is a picture of God's, um, well, you can see it in Ezekiel 47 if you want to look there, but in, in, in Ezekiel's vision of the temple, there's this flowing river, right? And, and what it is is a picture of God's blessing and abundant provision. And, and God's blessing and abundant provision are what make for gladness for God's people. And this abundance and provision flowing from the place of God's habitation, this habitation is immovable because God himself is immovable. Again, contrasted in the psalm with the things that, that are shifting, the things that are not certain, the things that on this earth, we don't know if they're going to be there tomorrow. But God, God is immovable. You see, there are things that we look to, we're tempted to look to to find certainty, right? And until this point, we really trusted our government. Until this point, we really trusted our medical science. Until this point, we trusted our economic system. We were, we were enjoying that prosperity. But all of this seems to have come crashing down, hasn't it? I don't want to be more dire than I need to be, but we don't know the extent of this. Well, the psalmist says, verse 6, the nation rage, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, that's the Lord. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You see, God speaks. And even though it feels like the nations are raging, there is scurrying and scheming and competing. There's not enough medical supplies, quarantines, travel restrictions. It seems like new rules every day. God speaks. God speaks. Now, where is God in all of this? We have to be still and trust, knowing that he is immovable. You see that virus, it will spread or it's halted based on his command. God speaks and someone is not infected. God speaks and another is but is healed. God chooses not to speak and another is infected. Some are protected, some are not. God speaks. Now, God isn't capricious, but he is mysterious and he does what he does for his own purposes. But because God is for us, 
He is our fortress. We, as the people of God, can turn to him as our fortress. He is our eternal place of safety because he is immovable. He stands outside creation. He's not within it. He's not affected by it. Things happen and things shift, but God observes it from outside and he acts on it. We'll get to that in a moment. And because God is immovable, he won't wobble. God is immovable. He, does, he shows no partiality. He cannot be bribed, Deuteronomy 10, 17. God is impassable. He is indestructible. God is a devouring fire. He is a jealous God. And God is a man that he should not lie, not a man that he should lie. He is not a man that he should change his mind. God speaks, God acts, he promises and fulfills his promises. We can count on that because God himself is immovable. And what has God promised? What can we hold on to from our immovable God? He's promised an eternal home for his own people. Jesus reinforced this with his disciples on his farewell discourse before he, was, uh, before he went to the cross, he told his disciples, and this is for us too, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also, Jesus can make that promise because God is immovable. God is unaffected by anything in our creation. And so we need to look there. We need to be reminded of his promises. You see, if your hope is not in Christ today, then you have absolutely no foundation. Now, the world is thinking, well, what's our hope? They're thinking maybe our greatest need is for the therapeutic drugs. No, that's not our greatest need. Maybe the world is thinking our greatest need is for a vaccine. Oh, if there would only be a vaccine. No, that's not our greatest need. Our greatest need perhaps is a restored economy. No, that's not our greatest need. The greatest need of humanity is to be reconciled to God. We sang it a moment ago. about Christ being our hope, the solid rock. Our greatest need is to be reconciled to God, and that happens only through Jesus Christ. So, so humble yourself before the Lord. Listen, if, if you're out there and you're not a believer in Jesus today, listen, here's what you need to do. I plead with you. Humble yourself before the Lord. Acknowledge your sin and repent of your rebellion. Do that. Look to the cross where Jesus, the Son of God, was sacrificed for you. Look to him in faith. Trust that work was for you. If you do, God will be to you a sure and secure foundation, immovable. And if you've trusted in Christ, you can truly be still. The last, be still. God is at work. Now, our work routines have been seriously interrupted. We all know that. 
Some, some in our church family, I know you can do your work remotely. Others have been furloughed. Uh, my older son is a teacher. My daughter-in-law also works in a school. Kathy normally works in a school. None of that's happening right now. There's a whole bunch of other things that are affected. Our ability to work is always dependent on things outside of us, right? Things outside of our control. And if it wasn't for a pandemic, it could be our own health or whether or not the company works we work for has the contract or whether they're solvent. Our work is dependent, but, but God's work is different. God is always at work. And in fact, nothing thwarts God's work. He is always working out his purposes. And he is always at work in the world. And God is always at work for the eternal good of his people. Look at verse 8 in the psalm. It says this, Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. What is the psalmist talking about? Those desolations on the earth. You see, when, when the Lord delivered Israel from her enemies, he obliterated them. I mentioned just a little bit earlier how he rescued the Israelites from the Egyptians. He obliterated them. He brought desolation to Egypt on behalf of his people. Verse 9, he makes wars to cease. Wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. You see, if an, an army is coming against the people of God, God is the one who decides whether it succeeds. And if anything comes against the people of God, God is the one who is our ultimately defend, ultimate defender. He is the one who is at work. Now, when we think about how God is working in the world, we may have an idea of how he, we want him to work for us right now. I keep focusing on this pandemic, but it's on all of our minds. God, I would like you to take away this pandemic. God, I would like you to restore our health and our wealth. God, I would like you to give us confidence in our governments. But God's work is a greater work than those temporary things that would give us comfort. He may indeed do those things or he may not. But God's greater work is to draw people to himself. A people from every nation. A people from every tribe and language and a group on the earth. And everything that God does, he does in service of his greater purpose to call people to himself. And all we have to do is look back in history to the greatest work that God has ever done. To send his son into the world. That was God's work. And Jesus, when he walked the earth with his disciples... He said, I'm doing, I'm doing everything the Father has given me to do. The everything that he was doing was walking right towards the cross. Where he'd ultimately offer up his own body as a sacrifice for sin. And that sacrifice would be once and for all and forever. Perfectly satisfying what God desired and required from us. Righteousness. And inasmuch as Jesus took our sin to the cross and died there for sins not his own but for ours, God raised him up on the third day so that he would give righteousness, his own perfect righteousness, to all who would put their faith in him. This is the work that God has done in the world. This is the work that God continues to do in this world. And whether he takes us through tribulation 
or peace. He continues to work in the world for the sake of redeeming a people to himself and then making those people, making us more like Jesus in character. Many times uh, I've spent some time in Romans chapter 8 these last days, but very familiar verse. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. So let me ask you, do you love God? Have you been called to see Jesus as your own Savior? He is working for your good in this. So be still. What does that look like? It's going to be love. It's going to produce joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. Galatians 5.22 He is working for your good in these things. So be still and know it. Well, it's a beautiful day outside. Hopefully we'll take a walk today. The weather's beautiful. But it still feels like we're in a storm, doesn't it? In, in Mark's Gospel, um, Chapter 4 records the story there of of Jesus and his disciples. They were crossing the Sea of Galilee in a boat. Uh, An absolutely wicked storm came upon them. So the the waves were were breaking into the boat. It was filling with water. The disciples were terrified. They thought they were going to die. Jesus wasn't afraid. He was sleeping. And they woke him. They woke him. And what did Jesus do? He rebuked the storm by saying, peace, be still. And as I thought about that story, as much as he was telling the storm, peace, be still, he was saying it to his disciples. Peace, be still. So whatever is going on around you, know this. God is our refuge. He is our place of safety. He is our strength. Be still. Be still. Even though it might look like everything in this world is shifting and shaken, be still. God is immovable. And be still. And even though we can't fully comprehend the whys and the hows, Know this, God is still at work. He is still at work. So be still. Verse 10, God says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That's what God is doing. So we can be still. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray. We know 
you are God. We have that in our minds. But Lord, it needs to grip our hearts. And it needs to give us confidence in the moments when things around us feel like they're out of control. We need to be still and simply trust that you are God. Our refuge, immovable because you're not inside creation but outside of it, and continuing to work even, even in these times. So Lord, strengthen our faith and cause us to be people who through the way in which we respond to crisis and difficulty and tribulation, we're the people that ultimately do not need to fear because we know you are our God. And we thank you for that truth. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.